I'm very excited about this time we're going to spend because we're back into our series in the Gospel of John this morning. We've taken a few weeks off over Christmas. That was fun, but we're back into it. And it's a blessing anytime we can spend any sort of uh, time in God's Word in any capacity. It's good for us. But this particular week, at this particular time of the year, God has this specific scripture that we're going to read today. He's orchestrated all this. He's cooking something up today. So I'm glad you're here to take this all in. Um, What I'd like for you to do is turn in your Bible to John chapter 13, verse 1. That's where we're going to begin. Our text is verse 1 through 17. In a minute, we're going to read it together. But while you're finding it, I would just say this about the Gospel of John. You heard me say this back in the fall. We've now gone through the first 12 chapters of this book. We've spent almost a year in this book, and we've got a good ways to go yet. But you'll notice if you read the Gospel of John, the first 12 chapters read a certain way. It's a lot of Jesus in the public sort of eye. He's doing miracles. He's teaching. People are talking about him. There's buzz about him, controversy about him. And then when you flip over into chapter 13, it starts reading totally different. All of a sudden, Jesus isn't in the public anymore. It's very personal. He's with just his disciples in this intimate setting, having this really important conversation that's going to be super, super good as we explore it this winter. And it's at a really critical time in Jesus' life because this, from chapter 13 onward, is actually taking place the night before he went to the cross. And uh, it's all in like a 24-hour period, the next six chapters. So it's, it's a really, really interesting part of this book, really timely, really important for us. And this section of scripture in John 13 that we're going to cover today is about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Somebody says, here comes another sermon about the feet. We've had enough of those. But here it is again. And yes, while this text absolutely, undoubtedly is about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, God actually has a specific word in this text for us today, and it pertains to the idea of getting a fresh start. Somebody say a fresh start. And that is super timely because that's the time of year we're in, right? A lot of people have made New Year's resolutions. A lot of people are trying to shake off the cobwebs of the year that just was, and they're trying to look ahead to the year that's coming. That's what a fresh start is all about. You're looking for something to change. You're looking for something to shift. Perhaps that pertains to some of you guys this morning. Maybe in 2022, you just had a hard year. Maybe it was full of its challenges, physical, mental, uh, emotional, uh, spiritual, uh, financial, relational, whatever it is. Maybe it was just a lot of burden for you in the last year and you're ready for something to change. Well, this word today is going to be for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? Nothing really all that bad happened to me in 2022. I can't point to all these events that were so horrible, but yet I still feel kind of empty. I still feel incomplete. Something's missing. I don't have the joy in my life that I know I should have, or I think I should have, or I want to have. Well, this word is for you as well, all about a fresh start. So here's what I want to do. I want to get into this text with you guys. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. Uh, or you can read it in your paper Bible or your phone Bible as well. John 13, 1 through 17 says this. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to be with the, to, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. We're going to kind of talk about that one next week. We're going to sort of leave that one uh, there for today. Um, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things, how many things? All things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper, it says. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? That's more of like, a, uh, you ain't washing my feet, Lord. You know who I am and you realize who you are, that kind of thing. Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, here it is, you also ought to wash one another's feet. You know we're going to talk about that verse. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. There's a lot of stuff in that section of Scripture But I want to break it down into three parts this morning. We're talking about getting a fresh start. I'm looking for a change in my life. What am I going to do? There's three things. First thing is this. You want a fresh start in your life this morning? You've got to open your eyes to behold. Somebody say behold. Behold means to look at, to pay attention to, to regard. In this case with Jesus, it's to honor, to, to value, to cherish, to really pay some good, strong attention to him. That's what beholding is. And that's where it's got to begin. Listen, if you want a fresh start in your life, it's not really about you just trying a little harder or I need to go on another vacation or I need to drink more alcohol or something crazy like that. You don't need a New Year's resolution. What you need is to behold Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords in his glory. That will give you a fresh start is what I'm telling you in here today. Anybody believe me? Yes. And and that's really the concept in the scriptures. It it goes back to 2 Corinthians 3.18, one of my favorite verses. It says, when we behold the glory of the Lord, and when when you look at, pay attention to, focus on Jesus, it says we change. That's what a fresh start is all about, isn't it? Change, shift, something's got to be different. It says we change from one degree of glory to another after his image. So even in our text from John 13 that we just read, here's what I want to do. I want to just allow our souls to be nourished 
in what we even just read. And a lot of what I'm about to tell you in just a few little verses here, it's stuff that you could read in John 13 and almost miss because it doesn't look like it's the main part of the narrative. You think, oh, well, it's about the washing of the feet. But look at all the stuff that's in this text that talks about Jesus, that gives us a description of who he is, that gives us a reminder of his character. These are things we need to be reminded of. You want a fresh start, you've got to behold Jesus in these things. So, for instance, Jesus is Lord. You need to just know that this morning. You guys do know that, but you've got to remember it. You've got to behold that truth. Jesus is Lord. You can see in our text, in John 13, 1, he knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world. That is a clue right there. Oh, there's something a little different about him. That's kind of God language. He knew that his hour had come. Maybe in this life, if a person was really super sick and they could see that, yeah, my body's going to give out soon, they, they might know their time is coming. But that's not even the same thing here. Jesus knew that his time was coming. Why? Because he's God. Because he has foreknowledge of these things. He says in verse 3, the Father has given all things into his hands. That's language of authority right there. That's language of power. That's language that when we read that, that should pull our minds to the fact that, oh, Jesus is someone I got to listen to because he is the real deal because he has all authority and all things are in his hand, right? That's not something we could say about any person, but Jesus, yes. Verse three, again, it says he's going back to the father. What that tells us is that he first had come from the father. Jesus came from heaven. That's where he's always been. God eternal from eternity past, the everlasting God. And he came to the earth and he was gonna leave and go back to his true home, his throne and glory. That's language of Godness right there. Verse 13, he, I, he affirms his identity as Lord and teacher. He says, you call me Lord and teacher and right you are for so I am. He even just says it right there. So we need to be reminded of that. Verse 16, he alludes to the fact that he's our Master, again, that language of authority. You've got to remember that that's who Jesus is. He's the Lord. He's God. He's in control. He's in authority. That's our Jesus. Furthermore, in our text, we can see this fact that Jesus is humble. Somebody say humble. Jesus, even though he's God, even though he has all every right to be honored and everyone pay attention to me and pomp and circumstance and come and serve me. He does this foot washing thing. Again, which for some of you guys is super gross. And I like laughing at you because you're so sensitive about feet. My wife is one of those people. Sorry, Laura. But here it is again. You have to understand, washing feet is a dirty job. Like we're talking about Jesus literally washed their feet. It's dirty. I don't know if it would be a real clean activity to do nowadays, but you got to understand in Jesus' day, people walked around barefoot. If you did have some kind of footwear, it would have been sandals that were open-toed, like they wouldn't have really done much for keeping your feet clean at all. You, you walked not on some nice clean sidewalk or in the pedway. You walked along the path or the road or the street, and it's dirt. It's dusty. If it rained, it's muddy, and you're walking through it. I will also remind you that the animals would walk on the same path, and they would do their business, and you're literally just walking in it. That's just the way it was. And so all this stuff is clung to their feet, stuck on their feet, and Jesus 
is wiping off their feet, their nasty, dirty, grimy, grungy feet. I have grossed some of you out enough. (coughs) Not only is it just a dirty job that kind of nobody probably would really want to do, in that day, culturally, washing the feet was something that only the lowest of the low, watch my hands, right, of, of servants would do. If you went to like a feast or a party or a banquet and you went in, one of the first things that would happen is right by the door, there'd be the servant, the lowly servant, the nobody, the peasant, and they would wash your feet. You're someone important and and I need to be served because I'm coming in here as a guest of honor. Here's Jesus, the king of kings. We've talked about that. And he is humbling himself to do the job of a servant, a lowly servant, not even a mid-grade servant, the lowest of the low. Jesus, therefore, he's a humble king. And when I say that and hear that, it almost sounds paradoxical because I think of a king and I think of that royal language and the pomp and circumstance and the honor and the reverence and all that stuff. And sometimes if we're being really honest in our lives, you might not say, well, I'm a king or I'm a queen, but sometimes we start to get a little uppity and think quite highly of ourselves, right? And we start to think, oh, people should serve me and pay attention to me and, and, and love me and honor me. And when we do that, the humility part goes right out the window. I know I'm talking to somebody, probably myself, goes right out the window. But Jesus here is full, full measure, both of these things. It just shows how different he is from us. Let your soul be reminded of this today. Uh, uh, Behold Jesus in this way. There's nobody like him. Furthermore, Jesus has great love for his own. His own being referred to here as Christians. You could see in this verse, it says, he has loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. Now, this is a true or false question. It's not a trick question. Does God love, no, that's not true or false. I was about to ask you that. True or false, God loves all people in the world, whether they're Christians or not. True, true. No one's going to argue that. God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only son. Of course he does. But there's a special, you read the New Testament, you can see there's a special kind of love. God has a special place in his heart for his own, for his children. If you're a Christian, that would be you. And it just reminds me of a section of scripture like Romans 8, 39, that says nothing can separate you from God's love. I want to just like speak that over you guys today and remember the God who said that. Nothing can separate you. No height or depth, no trouble, no disease, no distress, no problem in your life, no pandemic, no recession, no economy crashing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. I hope that's good news for somebody today. That's the love that God has for you. That's the love that your Jesus has for you, Christian. Behold that, remember that, take it to heart. Furthermore, Jesus has great patience toward unbelievers. (coughs) Excuse me. There's a particular unbeliever that's sort of talked about in that section of scripture we read. His name is Judas. And yes, he was one of Jesus' disciples, He hung around with Jesus all the time. But you look at the life and the work of Judas, you can see that this guy was not truly a follower of Jesus. He was against Jesus. And Jesus knew that, didn't catch him by surprise. You can even see in verse 11 right there, it says Jesus already knew who was gonna betray him. 
And yet, he still let Judas eat with him at this Passover meal. He still washed Judas' feet. Let that sink in for a second. You say, well, where does it say that he washed Judas' feet? It says in verse 11, it says, when he had washed their feet, or verse 12, rather. He washed all their feet, even Judas, even the one who was against him. Here's Jesus loving him, serving him, revealing himself to him, even though Judas didn't believe. He, he, he wasn't there with that. God, you just have to understand, God could just as easily say of, of unbelievers, you don't believe in me? Fine. Pew. Sucks to be you, right? Like, honestly, he could just as well do that, but he doesn't. That's not God's heart toward unbelievers. Matter of fact, it says in 2 Peter 4, verse 9, that it says that God is patient toward them. And because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to repent and come to knowledge of the truth. That's God's heart for unbelievers. So let's just bring this in for a sec. This is a relevant sidebar. You, you and I all know people that don't know Jesus. All, we all do. Probably multiple people in our lives that don't know Jesus. Pray for them. Remember, okay, Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. And as long as today is called today, it's not too late for them. It's not. Seriously, don't give up on the prayer. Don't give up on looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Don't, don't give up on looking for opportunities to pour into them and encourage them. And definitely pray for them. Judas, we're going to go on to read in the coming weeks, he makes his choice. And it was not the right choice. But, but let it be known, like that's the heart of our God for people that we know that aren't believers. He wants to save them. He loves them. Okay, we're going to unsidebar. Are we good there? Okay. You say, what does all of this have to do with a fresh start? Brayden, I need a fresh start in my life. And this is just, I, I, don't, I don't get the connection. Here's what it is. Some of you need a fresh start because you're going through your life. Life is grinding along and you're focused on all your stuff. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? You got a job, you got a family, you got aches and pains, you got bills to pay, you got this and that to do. I get all of that, but here's the problem. A lot of times, you never bring God into the equation anywhere. I'm just doing my, maybe I come to church once in a while. I mean, that's good. I'm glad you're here. But when you never bring God into the mix, you're, you're not beholding. And something's got to change. There's such a thing as a spiritual discipline of pressing pause and setting your mind on the Lord. One of my favorite verses in the scriptures is Romans 8, 6. It says, to set the mind, first of all, so that's an activity. You choose, I'm gonna camp out my mind in this area. I'm gonna set it here. To set the mind on the flesh is death, it says. And that means like 1,200 things that we're not gonna talk about today. But one of the things that means is, hey, if you're going through your life and you're focusing on the things of this world and the things that you gotta do, and it's only just the temporal things that don't involve God, that leads to death, a.k.a. there's not good for you in that. There's not blessing and life in that for you. But it says to set the mind on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God, the things of God, it says to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. How many of you want life and peace in your life this year? I do. It comes from setting your mind. 
And this is not just religious jargon, church, he's all set my mind. Uh, This is literally, you stop what you're doing and you focus. Even if all you can do is 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, set your mind to behold the Lord. It's going to make all the difference in your life. (coughs) Pardon me. This is like pray. Just talk to God. Even like you're at work, you're busy, you're right on a project, take a breath and pray. Maybe you're busy doing something else. Pause for a second, dig out your phone or your Bible and, and get into the scriptures. It takes two seconds to load the Bible up on your phone. Read it, soak in it. Maybe you're in a position where you can put on some worship music and just camp out in that. Do something though. You know what I mean? Do something. The choice is all yours, by the way. You say to me, Bray, I I want a fresh start. And I'm telling you up here, the way that your fresh start begins in its proper form is to start beholding the Lord in your life. Even in the, the, just moment by moment, even in the quote, little things, start beholding the Lord. And here's what I would say to you. If you go, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to tell you that you don't actually want a fresh start that bad. Really? But... If you will make this a practice in your life, even if it seems like, man, I really got to try really hard to like remember to do this, I mean, that's okay, but start doing it. And I promise you, I don't know what the change is going to be in you, but when you start beholding Jesus in his glory, when you start factoring him into your day-to-day, into your moment-by-moment, something is going to change for you. And that is what a fresh start is all about. Somebody help me today. So that's the first thing. See, you're like, I read John 13. I didn't even see that in there, but it's there. That's God's word. The second thing you got to do, if you want a fresh start in your life, you got to open your heart to be cleansed. Somebody say cleansed. As in there's dirt somewhere and it's got to be washed. That's what cleansing is. And now the world would hear that and say, that's offensive to me. You're telling me that I'm unclean or I have things that aren't right in my life. How dare you? It's my truth. I'm living my life my way. What God actually says about that is, hey, in and of yourself, you are unclean and you need to be cleansed. That's not the message of the world at all. And if this is new to you, here's the story. Here's the deal of it right here. There's a couple of aspects seen. We'll talk about both of those in John 13. The first kind of cleansing that's talked about here is in a salvation sense. The the idea is this. You were made by God and for God. God wants to live or you to live in a relationship with him, going through all your life close to him. And all of your life flows from that place. But in and of ourselves, we have sinned. We have brought in this filth and this corruption into our lives. And that has separated us from God. That has severed the cord and the connection that we can have with God. That's called uncleanness unrighteousness, sin, and that leads to death. And that's the situation that all of us are in, every single one of us here. But here's the good news. Jesus comes along as our cleanser. Jesus comes along, and what we're going to read in the coming weeks here is like he, he lives this perfect, sinless life, totally clean. You and I have not done that. I love you, and I like you, but we've all done that. Not any of us are clean in and of ourselves, but Jesus lives this righteous life. And then he goes and he dies on a cross in our place for our sins so that we could be forgiven. His righteousness 
is, can be given to us. See, that's the thing. You, you don't deserve the sacrifice that Jesus did. You haven't earned it somehow, but Jesus literally died on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be called righteous, so that you could be cleansed so that you could come into this relationship with God that you were always designed and created to have right from the beginning. Jesus' cross is the means by which this can happen. On the cross, he died the death that you and I are supposed to die so that we could live. He took on our sin, our filth, our unrighteousness so that we could be called righteous. Jesus died and was buried, but on the third day he rose because he had no sin of his own. And the Bible says that the sting of death is sin. And since he had no sin, there was no sting there. So up he rises, he's victorious, he has conquered. And here's our greatest enemy, this sin, this filth, this unrighteousness, and Jesus has defeated it. So Jesus is alive right now and what he's doing is he's inviting each one of us to trust in him, to repent of our sin, that's to turn away, I'm going this way but Lord I'm coming to you now and to accept and believe in who he is and surrender our lives to him and when we do that the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's cleansed, that's forgiven, that's made new, that's made righteous. You need to understand, if you've never done this before, you want a fresh start in your life, this is the work that Jesus wants to do to begin this in you. He wants to save you, and he wants to cleanse you, and he wants to give you his righteousness. He actually wants to make you a new creation with a new heart and a new nature, and you'll have a new joy and a new peace and a new future and a new hope and a new eternity. That is what Jesus wants to do in you. That sounds like a bit of a fresh start to me, doesn't it? Now, now, you can see it in here. Jesus does the foot washing thing, right? And we've said the feet there, like, yes, he literally cleaned their feet, but don't miss the symbolism there either. The feet, the dirtiest part, oftentimes, of the human body, and at least in that day, Jesus is willing to go low and to cleanse them from that. Let that be known that Jesus wants to cleanse you of your deepest, darkest filth and brokenness as well, your sin. Jesus is willing and able and ready and wants to do that in your life. So if you're not a Christian, like you need to know that. Come talk to me later. There'll be a couple people hanging around up here. We'll pray for you. That's cool. But you need to know that's the work that Jesus wants to do. It's not about you trying harder. It's not about you even coming to church. It's not about being religious. It's not about New Year's resolutions. It's being made new and born again in Jesus Christ. So, so, so that's, that's the one aspect of cleansing that we see in here. And Jesus says, unless I cleanse you, you have no share with me, friends. That, like, that is what you need if you're not a Christian yet. But, oh, and I'll say this too. You, you only need to be cleansed in this regard one time. Like saved, you only need to be saved one time. It's once for all. Otherwise, we're living a life that isn't even really all that free or joyful at all. There, I got saved, and I went probably five minutes, and oops, I sinned again. Lord, I gotta get saved again. Oh, and oh, I did it again. It's just this never-ending cycle, and how can you ever be sure that you're saved? Well, that's not how it works. It's once for all. Uh, Jesus here says in verse 10, I'm gonna read it. Oh, it's up here, good. He says, the one who has bathed, does not need to wash except for his feet. The one who has bathed, the one who has been cleansed in salvation does not need to wash again. Like I've had people say to me, oh, Braden, I gotta, I gotta get re-saved. I gotta recommit my life to the Lord. I gotta get re-baptized. I gotta be re, re, re all this. And I say, okay, why do you think that? 
well, well, I, I've sinned or I haven't been paying attention to the Lord or my mind's just been in a bad place. I just got to do it all over again. And I say, well, it's not really what my Bible tells me. You're saved once for all and nothing can separate you from that love of God like we already talked about. You don't need to do it again. Maybe, yes, there is room for I'm going to recommit myself and Lord, I got to get back on the, on the tracks here. But you know what I'm saying? This is not like, well, I got, I got saved last week and I had a real bad week, so got to do it again. That's not how it works. But in saying all of that, there is another aspect of cleansing that is seen in this section in John 13. This is going to be relevant for somebody. You just watch this now. You see that in verse 10 right there. He says, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. What's interesting, and you see those two verses on the screen, the word wash in verse 8 and the word wash in verse 10, they're actually not the same word in the original language, in the Greek. I've got to look at this because I'll get it wrong. The word wash in verse 8 is the Greek word nipto. Somebody say nipto. And it's talking about like a whole body wash, a whole body cleansing. That's talking about the salvation that we just talked about. But in verse 10, it's a different word. It's the word luo. Somebody say luo. luo. Not luau like we're at a party. And that word luo is talking about more of a spot cleaning, more of I've got this one area that I missed or I got to do, so I got to get that cleansed off of me. There's a big difference in that because here's the deal. Let's bring it right home here. As a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for a few months or a few years or many years, you'll know this to be true. Once you get saved and you continue on in this life, stuff still happens. Stuff still happens. Bad things still happen to you. Your mind kind of gets clouded with stuff. The enemy's trying to chuck in there. We still sin. There's still some degree of filth and dirt in our lives even after we get saved. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And so, for some of you, your fresh start is gonna be that kind of cleansing. You're already saved. You don't need to do it again. But listen, we just came out of 2022 and maybe that was a year for you where some stuff just kind of stuck to you and it wasn't all good. Maybe in 2022, you sort of got off the rails a bit and, and kind of started into some area of sin in your life. You weren't doing it before, but now you're kind of caught up in that and it's sort of a habit and you're kind of given to that and you can't really seem to get out of it or maybe you haven't even really noticed or paid much attention that you're in it. But sometimes that's the way it works for us. Maybe in 2022, you started kind of picking up a habit in your life that isn't super healthy or helpful and you just got to shake that. Maybe that's what your fresh start's all about. Maybe in 2022, you picked up a little bit of lingering selfishness, right? You, you started kind of just thinking of yourself just a little bit too much in an in-health, unhealthy way. Maybe in 2022, you picked up some anger and you're holding on to that and you won't let it go. Maybe you picked up some bitterness Maybe something happened to you, someone wronged you, and you're just clutching to that, and it's holding you back. You just can't seem to give it up. Maybe it's unforgiveness. That person did this to me, and I'm never gonna let them off the hook. And you're just stuck in that, like your shoes are in cement. Maybe in 2022, you got off the rails like into sexual immorality or something, right? You started, you started lusting after someone that isn't, 
isn't your spouse or you got into pornography use or whatever it is. Maybe in 2022, you got off into the worry side of things. If that's you, you know what your problem is? You watch the news in 2022. That's what happened to you. <laughs> Somebody up in here, you t- I was fine and then I turned the news on and now I'm worrying. Well, that, that's your problem. You're worried. Maybe in 2022, the, the anxiety, the anxiousness has crept in and you're finding that you're battling through that. Listen, I'm not condemning or judging any of you for having any of those things because that's the way it works in life. All I'm saying is Jesus cares about those areas of your life too. If Jesus cares about your deepest, darkest, biggest need for cleansing, he surely cares about the lesser things as well. And so, again, I will say you have a choice to make. If you will open up your heart and say, Jesus, look, I want to just be real before you. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm struggling with. He already knows it anyway. Wink, wink. Here's, here's what I'm struggling with, and I'm, I'm trying. I'm making an effort, but I, like, it just can't seem to shake it. What I need, Lord, is for you to do a cleansing work in me. So I just say yes to that. I open myself up to it. You can do that, or you can choose not to. Just say, I'm good the way I am. And again, I will tell you, if that's your attitude, you say, I don't really think I need to be cleansed. I don't really want to open myself up for any kind of work that the Lord might do in me. I'll tell you again, you don't want a fresh start that bad. Very simple. So we got to open ourselves up to be cleansed. Here's the third thing. This is for some of us too. You want a fresh start in your life in 2023? You've got to open your hands to serve. Open your hands to serve. Before I even unpack that, I, I want to read what's on the screen for you here. 12, verses 12 through 17 of the text. We already read this. <coughs> Excuse me. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, here it is again, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's talking about serving. For I've given you an example that just as I have done, you should also do. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. A messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So, so right away, the very DNA of being a Christian is to be a servant. It's not some additional accessory thing you tack on later. To be a Christian is to be a servant. That takes our cues right straight from Jesus. He says it right in there. In another place, he says, hey, I didn't even come to be served, but to serve. So we've got to have that attitude and that mentality as well. And he passes that along to us. You also need to do this. And God is expecting, and in his mind, it's a natural Flow. It's a natural rhythm of our lives as Christians to be servants. It's something that should flow naturally. Out of this time that we're spending beholding Jesus, spending with him, this should naturally come into our hearts. It's because right, right back to the greatest commandment, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and to love other people. This is literally just part and parcel of being a Christian. Serving others, right? So washing the feet, that's like the lowest symbolic for the lowest of the low act of service. We've got to be willing to go as low as that. Go, go to whatever lengths to serve someone. But 
Everything else, watch my hands, quote, not as lowly is also included there. The specifics of what you do to serve somebody else, they aren't even the most relevant thing for this conversation today. There's many ways to serve people. I'm not gonna even attempt to give you an exhaustive list because we'd be here a long time. But the point is this, and and I'm gonna ask you some questions. Don't answer these out loud. This is for internal reflection. Is there a servant's heart and a servant's attitude modeled in my life? Do I have that? Not the person you came with. Do I have that? Who do I serve? How do I serve? What have I done in the last week to serve somebody? The last month, the last year? You should be able to think of something. And it's not just to make yourself feel good like this. I'm just saying, you should be able, you know in your life, here's what I did for this person, whatever it is. If it was like a small little thing that took you five seconds or something that took you months and and or thousands of dollars, that's okay. You should be able to think of something. And if I ask those questions and you say, oh, I can't think of anyone that I served. I can't think of any way that I served. I, I have no examples coming to my mind. I'm not condemning you for that. There's no condemnation in Christ. I'm just saying that's a clue that something might be not quite firing the right way in your life. And I get the excuses too. To to not serve, I've been there. I've used all of them. There's nothing new under the sun. But we have these, right? Well, I'm too busy. Yes, I know that person needs help, but I'm far too busy. Maybe you are quite busy. You say, well, well, uh, I'm hurting in my life. I know that person's hurting, but I'm hurting. And, and, and I need people to pour into me right now. And I can't pay attention to them because it's, it's, it's I need to be receiving right now. Maybe you do. I'm not gonna say you don't. Maybe you say, well, look, I, I know there's people hurting out there, but, but look, I can't even really make a difference anyway. What's my service gonna do? I might as well just not even try, not even do it. Perhaps the worst one of all And again, I don't think any of us would say these words explicitly, but sometimes it's our attitude. Sometimes we make the excuse of, I see that need over there, but that's beneath me. Oh boy, yes. That's beneath me to do that. I'm saying when we have that mentality in our lives, that's a clue. Hey, something's not quite right here. Because do we think like we know better than Jesus? I'm too busy, uh, I, I don't feel like it. What difference will it make? It's beneath me. Like, hello, Jesus was willing to go absolutely as low as culturally a person could pretty well go. Like, are we willing to go low for somebody else? Are we willing to give up? Yeah, I'm busy, but can I take 10 minutes and, and just do this thing that needs done? That person needs help with something. You guys get the idea. Like, I don't wanna beat you with this or whatever. You, you, you might even, though, have this, this thought creeping into your mind of, hey, this is getting a little personal for me, and who is this Jesus that he can tell me that I gotta do this? He's up in my kitchen a little bit. Well, I'll just remind you, he's your Lord and your teacher and your master. That's who he is. And he's got all authority, all things in his hand. He can certainly tell you this is what you need to be doing. You need to be serving other people. So, you say, I need a fresh start. What does this have to do with this? It's got everything to do with this. I'm gonna tell you something. This might offend somebody. I don't care. Some of you need a fresh start. 
Sometimes we need a fresh start because we're going through life and we're only ever thinking of ourselves and never anybody else. And it's no wonder you need a fresh start because that is such a horrible way to live because it's not meant to be all about you. It's Jesus, others, and you. And if you're going through your life and you've got maybe a little Jesus in there and you've left the others out of it and it's mostly you, of course that's not gonna work out. Of course you need to see a shift in your life. It's not supposed to be that way. Jesus comes along and he does attach a promise to this. We're talking about a fresh start. See in verse 17, the last verse of our text. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? Do them. That's the whole conversation about knowing the word and doing the word. Don't be hearers only, but doers of the word. But, but just look at the fresh start language in there. If you do these things, you'll be blessed. Notice it doesn't say what the blessing is. It says you'll be blessed. If you're looking for a fresh start, for something to shift and change in your life, Jesus is, in as many words, saying, if you do this, something's gonna change. You're gonna see blessing from this. There's another verse. I didn't put it on the screen, uh, but Proverbs 11.25 just sums this right up perfectly. It says this, whoever brings blessing will themselves be enriched. And whoever waters will himself be watered. If you make it your business to go and serve other people and bless other people, the Lord's gonna take care of you and he's gonna make sure it flows back the other way. And that's not your motive to do it. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve so that I can be served. No, but that's the promise of God. Again, I will say, you're saying today, I need a fresh start bringing in my life. And I say, okay, open your hands to serve other people. And you say, no, I don't wanna do that. You know what I'm gonna say to you, right? You don't want a fresh start that bad. But if you will do this, if you, we, if we will give ourselves to this, God is gonna show up and he's gonna do something. I don't know what he's gonna do in your life. I don't know to what degree and in what area you need a fresh start, but God's gonna do it. He's gonna give you what you need. I'm gonna sum all this up and then we're gonna wrap up. Even in a group this size, I know that some of us are looking for the page to be turned a little bit in our lives. Something's got to change. Something's got to give. I need that shift. And you've heard it from the Lord right here. You want to see that shift in your life? You want that fresh start? You want something to change? You got to first open your eyes to behold. You need to see Jesus in his glory. You need to pour into that. You need to regard him and take the time to do it. Invest in it. Be serious about it. You want that fresh start in your life? You've got to open your heart to be cleansed. You've got to admit, Lord, I got stuff going on in my life. I want you to come and fix it. Come and do a work in my heart. You've got to open yourself up for it. And if you want a fresh start in your life, you've got to open your hands to serve others. It's very simple, isn't it? Very simple. But the ball's in our court to now do something about it.